I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Little Atoms, a radio show about ideas and culture. With me, Neil Denny. On today's show, Sheena Patel on her debut novel, I'm a Fan. Tina Patel is a writer and assistant director for the film and TV industry. She has previously published This Is What Love Is, a pamphlet with her collective Four Brown Girls Who Write, and she was named as one of the Observer's top 10 debut novelists for her debut novel, I'm a Fan, which we're going to be talking about today. I'm a Fan has just been shortlisted for the Jalak Prize 2023, and more pertinently for the purposes of this interview, it's been long-listed for the 2023 Women's Prize. Sheena, welcome to Little Atoms. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me. First of all, tell us how you would describe the novel. It's about Instagram stalking, um, and that seems to make people go, ooh. <laughs> um, but I'd say it's it's about Instagram stalking. It's about one person trying to find their way in the world. And tell us something about how the how the novel is structured. So because I work in telly, I'm used to reading scripts a lot and I watch a lot of dramas like you know most people do it's written in bits and like in sections or chapters or kind of moments really but I I was talking about this with a friend the other day and I was like there's something to be said about it being compared to Instagram posts which is what I've seen or heard people say it as And I was wondering whether there was even a political element to the way it's been described as that, because it's almost saying that I it's almost implying I might not know the canon enough to know what a novel is. So the easiest thing to do is just to compare it to Instagram posts. But it's just quite um, I just I'm quite struck by it because I've you know, there's lots of other writers that write in fragments. It's not a unusual thing anymore it's you know the way that actually I think our brains are structured at the moment and um so I read a proper a proper proper modern like contemporary novel um recently and I found it quite hard to kind of stick with not not hard to stick with it it was actually quite refreshing to read something quite whole but I was thinking I was like wow I'm not used to this sort of like an almost a full argument being presented I'm used to sort of being much more active in the reading process which is what I think fragments or you know things in bits do and I was just wondering and those 
the way that those writers are described as, you know, they're not they're not compared to the internet. Though I know this book is about the internet, but I was wondering what is behind that really because it has it's been troubling me. But equally, I don't know. It's not got really anything to do with me. I structured it like scenes in a film or in a TV program. That's how I thought because I thought I wanted the reader to be very active in the reading experience and almost turn them into a detective because I think TV does turn you into a detective. You're so active. There's so much thinking going on when you're a viewer, when you're watching something, you take so many visual cues. You're not really spoon fed anything. A good drama won't spoon feed you anything. And I thought that's how I want to write a book. It's like a good TV drama. And also I don't want there to be any, no plot progression. It's just one person just going sinking down and there being no redemption because again, there's something political and, you know, a non-white character being the worst version of themselves, but actually quite human. I, I sound like I've been quite defensive, but I've been getting a lot of um, backlash or at least like uh, comments on it about this. And it's just, I've just been thinking about it and I'm like, they're just, they're, there were political reasons why I made the decisions I did. And I don't mm-hmm. know whether they've been really, it's been met with the with the intention that I had it, which again, I, you know, I don't really have any control over. You can only make something, I suppose, and put it out there and hope that people get it. Well, a major theme of the book is, I mean, the the unnamed narrator, who we will, we'll talk about who she is in a moment, but you, the author of this book, also, you know, you work in the in the arts. And a major theme of this book is about this unnamed narrator doing something vaguely arty we're never really sure what that is but she's basically talks about being a a person of color a second generation immigrant on the fringes of the arts world and trying to break in that's a major theme of the book so yeah it doesn't surprise me that what you've just said that the commentary around this novel might have been about the legitimacy of it in the first place yeah, well, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't actually think it's got anything to do with that. I, I just, I wonder whether it's, I don't know. I just, it's just interesting. It's just kind of to observe it, I suppose. But I was speaking to a lot of writers that I love while writing this and writers that aren't, that aren't writing now that, that are like last century, basically. And a lot of artists I was writing towards. So I wasn't really thinking about um, the novel as a, like how to write the perfect novel kind of thing. I was more thinking how to break it as a concept and also as an object. I did want the idea of a book to be a terrifying thing um, and frustrating and a frustrating thing. So I think with my own objectives, I think I met my own objectives for what what it is. So tell us something about our narrator then, where she comes from. Well, it's what I wanted to write was a wasn't, you know, a lot of the things that we either watch or we read are often characters who are quite aspirational. You know, they'll have a very fancy job or they'll, you know, they'll be an influencer or that it's always from this person that's sort of made it. And I was interested in writing from the perspective of someone like was that was more on our side <laughs> to put an us and them on it, but it was more our side and was more of the mass, was from the mass. So it could have been any one of us really trying to make it or trying to get in and and finding lots of locked doors. But I was sort of interested in that crowd idea because that sort of speaks to the fandom. So it was like, what if one of these fans spoke up and it could have been any any fan, but it was this one. And also just to make the the idea of Instagram feel creepy, even though I love Instagram. I mean, I love the internet. 
it terrifies me too, but I, I do genuinely love it. But I was interested in complicating this idea of like success and achievement and people doing very well or putting their best presentation of themselves forward. And so I wanted to sort of make that a bit scary and push it. And it's a, it's a first-person narration, which obviously forces identification with the character, with the narrator. But she is, and, and there's this ongoing discussion, actually, for months and months on social media, which I find incredibly tedious, to be honest. But she is really dislikable. And there is this sort of weird thing at the moment about dislikable characters and whether or not that's a thing that people really sort of tolerate anymore, which I find, as I said, I find very weird. But nonetheless, this is obviously a choice you made in in writing the novel to make her obviously, as you said, she's like in every person at the same time, but also Ooh. does some really monstrous things, crazy things over yeah. the course of the novel. Well, I saw I, there's this tweet I saw recently and it was like this whole unlikable narrator thing is on the basis that that you're actually quite likable. And I thought that was quite funny because everyone's annoying. <laughs> And no, and I just wanted to make it really human. And also, again, it, it was a political decision. And, you know, with the backdrop of like Shemima Begum and the government, this Tory government being so monstrous to, you know, immigrants and migrants, where you have, there is this sort of, you know, and, and that being actually now metered down by black and brown people, conservative black and brown people, this idea that you have to be grateful and uncomplaining and smiling I really railed against why do why does anyone have to be likable least of all a black or or brown person and so it was a political decision to make her very antagonistic and also there are moments in all of our lives I mean if you haven't experienced this then you know amazing but there are moments in all of our lives where things get really hard and we become really difficult and we become difficult for the people in our lives as well you know as much as people love you they can they might not be able to tolerate you during these periods so I just wanted to write from that kind of space where somebody who wasn't white isn't grateful is angry is allowed access to their anger and acts in ways that yeah are difficult but I was fed up of like the narrative of this plucky black or brown person sort of you know railing against the system and not being, you know, fighting against racism against white people. It's just like I was bored of it. And I really wanted to. And also TV is so good. TV is so good at having unlikable characters and really making you on their side. Look at Succession or um, Happy Valley. You know, you're like on everyone's side, essentially. Even if they do things that you're just like, whoa, you've taken that too far. But the program will, I mean, it's, it's so much more influenced by telly than it is by books, even though I did write towards books. But I think TV is much more tolerant of um, unlikable narrators. And I'm really not sure why why you have to like the person, because you don't like everybody that you meet. The narrator has two obsessions, or two main obsessions amongst many, I guess. Um, the first being with someone who is only known as the man I want to be with. Now, he's a, he's a character in his own right, but he also seems to represent both that archetype of the, the sort of arsehole artist who's tolerated <laughs> because he's a genius, but also wider than that, just of her relationship with patriarchy itself. Yes, it was more, um, yeah, definitely. That's def- totally what he, what he is, is. I love reading books about arsehole artists. I really love them. I read um, Widow Basquiat and... Um, uh, Francois Gillot's um, memoir 
about uh, her time with Picasso like many, many times. And I love Dick and um, Celia Paul as well about her, her time with Lucian Freud. So there's that I really love those um, books about people who come into contact with these seemingly kind of godlike figures and what happens to them in that and how you hold your center within someone, you know, when someone's center is so much bigger than, than just a normal person. It's like almost they're the whole world. And I kind of wanted to write that, but for the, the modern for the modern time and really encapsulate what it is to be alive now and our behaviours, what our behaviours are like. I just really wanted to bottle now, to be honest. Also, there's been, over the past few years, a lot of, let's call it sort of like Me Too media. And I think it would have been very easy to have had this character. I mean, he's he's a sociopath, let's, let, let's face it, but you never have him doing anything that's like illegal or like you know cancelable for for want of a better word he just he just behaves very badly yeah and we know that he's never doing anything that's that bad that the people that support him and hold him up will back away he will always get away with it again i wondered if that was a um if you sort of held back on on what he was doing to make him seem you know more more of a an archetype than just a real monster well again i don't actually think he's a monster I think everyone again it's just it's just to be a bit more forgiving than a monster. It was just more to be like, yes, he behaves badly, but so does she. And my rule for her was um anything that was done to her she had to do to someone else because I didn't want her to be a victim at all. And actually it's not really about him, it's about the influencer and really it's about her rage at the world. Like it's like a big scream basically because I think you can feel quite angry about how things are but you have to mask it and this was sort of an unmasking of all of that and really actually she she's I wanted her to be very hard towards him as well it's not just him being a monster she's also sort of I mean not naming him is in a way is a violent thing really taking someone's name away and I wanted it to feel like she could also hurt him and that he was also scared of her because her want was just so much. So it's more it's more shadow than anything that, oh, he went and did this and she went and did that. It's like, it's all the things that you do in the shadow and also like the shadow of your personality, like in a Jungian sense, all the things that you might deny, all the violence that you say that you don't do, all the small and big and large ways that you hurt other people in order to get what you want. And for some people that's more pronounced than for others. And really how you're just all like bumbling along, just trying to do the best that you can and fucking it up, really. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Listening to Little Atoms, I'm Neil Denny. Today I'm talking to Sheena Patel, and we're talking about her novel, I'm a Fan. And Sheena, the other person who you just briefly alluded to at the end there, who our narrator is obsessed with, is an influencer who is known as the woman I am obsessed with throughout the yeah. throughout the novel. Tell us something about her. Well, everybody knows someone like this online, and everyone I know everyone follows or doesn't follow someone like this, but sort of tracks them. And you have like comparisonitis about your life compared to theirs. I was quite interested by this behavior because when I was, before I started writing it, I, you know, I wrote in the pandemic, but it was, you know, when we were allowed to hang out with loads of people, I was talking about this with a few people just, you know, over the course of a few months. And it seemed to be that everybody would research someone before they met them. And then when they met them, they would pretend that they didn't know anything about them. And I thought, that's so creepy. (laughs) I mean, I know I do that too, but it's such a weird thing to then pretend like you don't know the research. And then it's like, how do you pretend that you don't know things that you already know? And what kind of falsicity is that over all of our relationships? And also, you know, you'd, you'd see, I'd know that my, you know, me and my friends, just through our conversations, influences sort of permeate your conversation it's just all the ways that you're nudged and shaped and um cajoled all your behavior and like how much of that behavior is of your own volition and how much is it because your phone's listening to you and and I just wanted to make the internet a very like if anything it's not the people that are the monsters it's having too much information and the internet just gives you too much access and what I wanted to show was the monstrosity of the internet and really make that into the monster. And I was interested in this like this sort of image of the internet having a mouth. Like what if the internet had a mouth and it was like feeding on us, feeding on our outrage and our envy and, and really moving us to very terrifying places. And I wanted that mouth from the internet to be in her stomach. And so the appetite and that need, the want, that's what I wanted more to drive. The, I know there's no plot, but I wanted that to drive her behavior. The fact that it's in a circle and it doesn't really go anywhere is just to replicate sort of obsession and hope, which can be quite relentless when you have it. And like hope sometimes isn't a good thing to have. It can be quite abusive when you have hope that something will change and it doesn't. 
Influencers are obviously often about unattainable ideas of beauty and incredibly rich lifestyle. And what I think is really pointed about this one is she is mainly concerned. She obviously has an incredibly rich lifestyle, which we'll come on to, but she's concerned about stuff like furniture and vases and things. And this seems particularly interesting to be aimed at an audience who are consuming this, who are probably people, like an entire generation of people who can't afford their own house and are probably living in a a rented apartment with borrowed furniture. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, again, it's just a mirror to what you're sold versus what you have and what you escape to, what you use as escapism. I mean, I'm not sure what to say to that other than that's just the way it is, isn't it, at the moment? I wanted to talk also about how the influencer, and particularly her father, so her father is this previously famous poet and who has bought a, a lot of land in California and they're living this this sort of holistic lifestyle of growing heritage fruit and vegetables mm. and how this idea stands in both for I how you use this to to look at both ideas of colonialism in mm. in the US particularly but also just ideas around liberalism and whiteness in general Yeah, well, I wanted to attack liberalism and sort of the righteousness of white people where, you know, they'll do this, like, let's get back to the land thing. And it's like, no, 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 everyone was doing that beforehand. And then, you you know, you flipped it and now you want to flip it back. And there's sort of, there's this great book by Ishiguru called Buried Giant. And I've only read it once, but I think about it, you know, like every other day. It's like in the background of my mind, it like haunts me. And it's about these two people that have forgotten. They've forgotten everything. There's a there's fog that descends on like it seems to be very early Britain, and there's a dragon that breathes out all this smoke. It's just like the most poetic book in the world. I just love it so much. And it's that. It's like that kind of fog. It's like why have you forgotten what you did, <laughs> like the trajectory that you've put us on, and that we have to deal with it now. And also, like I, you know, all of us are only ever from that system as well. And I guess it's the myths that you can tell yourself, like America has a great myth of itself. Britain also has a great myth of itself. It's definitely, it's, it, it, you know, Britain, all the violence happened elsewhere and none of the violence really happened here. So it's easy to forget when you're not living with it. But then you have these pieces of shrapnel that come back, these people from other places that remember because they've lived with it, because it's in their blood. And it's this like remembering and forgetting, I think. And so... Yeah, it's that sort of that sort of feeling of about liberalism, which is that it can it can say, oh, the racism's over there. It's racists are those people. They're not us. They're not me. But we're all. I, I just wanted to bring all of these systems close to everybody, like really put it up in your face, because it's so easy to distance yourself from something and see it as not anything to do with you. And really, it's got everything to do with everybody. A racist isn't someone that's just calling someone a name, which is obviously a racist thing to do. But there's like these invisible systems that knit us all together that that just mean that we're all implicated in a way. That maybe it's it's convenient to forget, but it shouldn't be. We've talked a bit about how social media has affected our narrator. Can we talk about its impact on the arts in general and I guess particularly publishing? I just think, well, the algorithms affected publishing, hasn't it? I mean, it's really, it's nothing, no shade on anyone. It's just, it's easy to trust a number than it is to trust your gut, I suppose. Nina um, from Rough Trade Books, who, like uh, her and her husband, who's a 
he's a writer and a poet, Will Burns, they edited it with me, the book. And Nina really took a massive risk on me and just said, just whatever you'll write, I'll publish it. And I just don't think that that happens very often. Or it does in like, you know, it's like a story in the 70s. It doesn't happen now. Like now there's so many industry, creative industries where people say that they ask for your follow account before they'll even talk to you. And I just don't know whether people with, and also, you know, with Four Brown Girls, that's sort of what we did was to drive our follower count up so that we could be taken seriously. And it just means that it's just, it, I don't know if that's, even though I've done it, I don't know if that's the best way to amplify a voice because that dis- it distorts everything. And then you see these massive like advances for books that I, I would really like to know how much they actually sell because everybody then trusts the Instagram follower numbers rather than, rather than maybe a person who's got like 200 followers but actually is an, an amazing voice. I mean, I hope to think that that happens. I hope people don't get dismissed because they don't have a large follow account. And I also hope that people aren't put off from writing because they don't like social media. But that's quite an interesting way to think about like people who are very online versus people who aren't and how that might have distorted the lens that we're looking at culture through and how we redress that. But I don't know the answers to these questions, but it's just sort of the position that we're in. Just one more thing then. And I wanted to ask you, I mean, I've been asking everyone on the long list that I'm in for interviewing what it feels like to be um, long listed for the Women's Prize. But I've just mentioned that you've also just this week been shortlisted for the Jalak Prize. So let's talk about perhaps what being what being up for prizes means to you. Well, I put this book out. Me and Nina did it with no respect for any sort of publishing calendar whatsoever. <laughs> Um, we just picked a date and then went with that date and it was only because we had Kate who's like this proper publicist that Nina like she's a friend now but Nina um, started working with her and uh, Kate was like we we need to put something in the bookseller and we were like what (laughs) and uh, we just like we just want to make the thing and put the thing out so we didn't really have any any thought to any of this but it's only really when the the observer that observer best debuts list that's when we had to start thinking about think I mean that's really only when it really occurred to us to put it up for award like to put it up for awards and even then I didn't want to know anything about it but we really just wanted to make the thing and I actually just wanted to have something to show for 2021 because it was such a shit show so really prizes are just this uh this complete surprise I never ever thought that I, I would be up for anything ever like I never win anything so it's been a real surprise <laughs> to finish it off can I get you to read us a bit yeah I'll read the beginning Um, So this is the first section from I'm a fan. Do I? I stalk a woman on the internet who's sleeping with the same man as I am. Sometimes when I'm too quick to look at her stories, I block her temporarily so she doesn't know I absentmindedly refresh her page 15 times a minute while Netflix plays in the background on my laptop, my stomach flipping sick with delight when her profile picture is ring red. She has tens of thousands of followers, is verified and is the daughter of someone famous in America. An endless stream of white people fawn in the comments under her posts. She has opinions about household objects which I've never given a thought to before. Firm tastes in the types of beeswax candles to burn. Lays exquisite cloth on her table in anticipation of dinner. Knows where to buy limited edition pottery from well-regarded potters. She will happily spend $300 on a vase where she displays really, really organic fennel flowers by which she says there is organic and then organic. Buys a $500 ring for herself during a time of financial strife for the rest of the world and shows it off in a selfie. She uses a filter on Instagram which burns up her floors 
It thins down her cheeks and radioactively erases the two thick lines shaped like spooning V's which are carved in her forehead and erupt from her face more prominently when she raises her eyebrows. A sick sense of satisfaction rips through me when I see them. She orders takeout from the right restaurants, seems to know everyone in the higher echelons of society, is accepted into the kinds of circles which seem out of reach to me. Sometimes I wonder if I ever met her, what would I say to her? Would I tell her of our connection? Would I tell her I know where she lives? Would I tell her how I guess that she broke up with her boyfriend? Will I tell her I know why the tone of her stories changed, because the man we are both sleeping with, the man I want to be with, shamed her for exploiting her privacy the last time they saw one another? Would I tell her that I know who her ex-husband is, I've seen his new family and he seems happy now, happier than the photos I've seen of the two of them? Would I tell her I know who all her friends are, I watch their stories too? Would I tell her I screenshot the photos she takes of herself and study her face so intently sometimes I fear I've picked up some facial expressions or tonal inflections from her because I listen to her speaking with her father on YouTube over and over before I go to sleep? Would I move in closer to smell her and feel what he felt when he felt her? Would I taste the inside of your mouth to find out what was so compelling? Would I press into you? I want to know exactly how your body moves when you are turned on, to know for myself why he cancelled fucking me to fuck you. So I've been talking to Sheena Patel. We've been talking about her novel, I'm a Fan, which is out now in paperback from Granta. Sheena, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This episode of Little Atoms was produced, presented and edited by me, Neil Denny. Little Atoms is hosted by Acast and published by 89up. The show is broadcast on Mondays and Saturdays on Resonance 104.4 FM. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.